Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. We're glad you joined us today. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at the college, and uh, we are continuing in our new series that we have titled Bible Words. When we see the power, the depth, and the beauty of God's Word, it changes lives. There are many words that are spoken around our neighborhood and our churches that have a rich and deep history, and when understood at that level, it is revolutionary in our own lives. And so we're going to be talking about that in depth, and we're honored and pleased to have the head of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen, sharing with us again today. Dr. Halen's been a regular on our leadership podcast, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy hearing what he and the head of DCC's Practical Ministries Department, Dr. Eddie Sanders, have to share. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, Dr. Sanders, and let you introduce uh, this episode of our Bible Word series. So our focus in the Bible Word series is on getting a Bible word from their world into ours. We'll start with a brief definition of love, and you can take it away, Dr. Halen. All right. Today, uh, as we think about love, uh, I believe a good definition of love as it appears in Scripture, and as we talk further, I'm going to try to bring out the point that I think we have conflicting ideas about love between world and Scripture. Uh, But the biblical notion of love is to act intentionally— in sympathetic response to others, to promote blessing and well-being. The focus of biblical love is giving rather than receiving, even mutual receiving. And here's a key point in uh, in the definition. Because love seeks to promote blessing for the loved one, it always seeks to turn evil and destructive things, either in the context of the loved one or within the loved one, him or herself, it always seeks to move that and turn that evil and destructive thing toward the good. Love is not not indifferent to the moral state of the one that's loved, but it goes out to all persons, irrespective of their moral preparedness or their holiness. So it is inclusive, love is inclusive for all, but is not inclusive and accepting of all that the loved one is doing. Um, Can I stop here? Can you repeat? That's powerful. Can you repeat that? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Love is inclusive in terms of who it loves, but it is not necessarily inclusive of what the loved one is doing. Now, most all listeners are are aware of the prevalence of love in church talk, in Christianese, and and that's rightly so, because if you read the New Testament with any degree of care, you'll find that time and time again we're called to be people of love. Jesus said that the badge of our discipleship is whether we love one another in John 13, 35. In Romans 13, 8, Paul, Paul told the, the, the Roman church that we must owe nothing to anyone except the debt to love. He told the Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of God's working in our lives, 
is first of all love in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, Paul said that whatever gifts we have, if we exercise them without love, those gifts are accomplishing nothing. And in fact, they make us nothing. Um, John Wesley said, from the moment we're justified till we give up our spirits to God, love is the sum of Christian sanctification. So it makes sense that we should talk a lot about love in the church. And it's, and it's interesting and significant that outside the church, in the world, the history of popular music and popular literature demonstrates that the world is searching for love as an answer to all societal and personal ills. Yet that search for love remains elusive. I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, so you'll have to pardon me for uh, uh, <laughs> citing some lyrics and, and some, some things from, from that era. In 1965, Hal David and Burt Bacharach wrote the plaintiff song, What the World Needs Now is Love. Mm-hmm. Much earlier than that, in 1929, Cole Porter wrote a song for one of his musicals in which he asked the question, What is this thing called love? Ask the Lord in heaven above, what is this thing called love? Then in 1970, the Carpenters, Richard Lynn uh, Carpenter, recorded Love is Surrender, which revised the lyrics of Ralph Carmichael's 1969 song that had the same title, which was part of a Christian musical that I remember my older brother singing in the teen choir, a Christian musical called Tell It Like It Is. The Carpenters revised the lyrics, excised from uh, Carmichael's overtly Christian message. And that fascinates me because the fact that they revised a Christian song represents an ironic reversal of what I see happening in the church today and perhaps the church of generations in the past, but definitely today. Uh, I think there's a tendency for the church to take its cue from our surrounding culture Mm -hmm. in regards to how it defines, characterizes, and understands love. Yes, and what struck me, in addition to the songs that you reference, the word love has become a political word in in recent years. Yes, and I think that flows out of a, a mistaken definition and characterization of love in our culture. The prevalent notion of love in our culture is the idea, first of all, that love is an emotion of warm feeling, that I have warm feelings toward you, okay? And and also that love constitutes an acceptance without any degree of challenge. And what to me is fascinating and tragic, and I think really impacts the church is often a common phrase used for that acceptance without challenge to any aspect in the loved person's behavior is this notion of unconditional love, a phrase that we often use as believers as we talk about love. And in that regard, I think it is helpful for us to look at how the word love and words 
Hebrew words in the Old Testament, Greek words in the New Testament, how they are used, and the sort of stuff we see in the context of how those words are used. So we'll start in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the big aha moments for me uh, many years ago was to notice that one of the primary verbs for love in the Old Testament is ahav, A-H-A-V. You may see it in Bible dictionaries transliterated as A-H-A-B, and then the noun form is ahava. You just add an A-H to the end for the noun. One of the key things that I I saw that I, th- I think is significant for our discussion is that it is often found in parallel to another Hebrew verb, bahar, B-A-H-A-R, bahar, which means to choose. To choose something implies a decision that's being made, an active, intentional selection, you know, and part of our definition for love was an intentional, that act is intentional. Let me give some examples, a classic text where we see this parallelism or this, this use of the two verbs. In Deuteronomy 4.37, Yahweh loved your fathers, Moses says to the Israelites, and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. Later in chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, this is a passage I, probably, I came across in graduate studies that just indelibly marked this idea in my mind. For you, uh, Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people, that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore, that will become important later, that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So there's this idea that God chose the forefathers, and he has chosen us, and love is is conjoined with choice. Uh, Psalm 78, verse 68 says, Yahweh chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. So choosing an act of intention, will, decision-making is seen in parallel with love. Yes, back to your definition, to act intentionally. Those verses are all about that. That, that is a very good and helpful observation. Now, the most famous use of love in the Old Testament for, for those of us as believers in Christ, because Jesus quotes this passage or other people quote it for him in, in his presence, is Leviticus 19.18, where... Israel was commanded to love their neighbor as themselves. It is significant that later in the same chapter in verse 34, Israel is also commanded to love the stranger or the sojourner who is among them. So they're to love the near one, the neighbor, like they love themselves, and they're to love the sojourner or the alien or the stranger. And again, that highlights the role that choice has in love. Now, 
at this point, especially the idea of, of choosing to love the sojourner, the stranger, is crucial because to choose to love the near one or the stranger could potentially involve choosing against your own self-interest. Mm-hmm. We, in, in, in love, in biblical love, it is a giving love. It's not about what's in, in it for me. I must choose often against my self-interest. Now, this idea of choice and love is not just in the Old Testament. If we go to the New Testament, we see passages like 1 Thessalonians 1.4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by spirit, belief, and the truth. So to be selected, chosen by God, is to be loved by God. God had a purposeful, intentional choice of them, and that is reflected with verbiage about love, not just choosing. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father, I had blessing, works for blessing. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined, something very intentional, for us for adoption. Adoptions don't just happen. They're intentional to him as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So that's Ahav, Ahav and Bahar. Uh, I think that's significant. Yeah, what's really striking is choosing against one's self-interest. So at the heart of these passages, at the heart of your definition here, is the cross. Yes. And in, in the Old Testament, God chooses Israel, and we know the track record of Israel. There's no guarantees that Israel is going to love God back. In fact, most of the time they don't. Uh, that's a key, key element to the prophets, of course. Now, another word that we ought to associate with love in the Old Testament is, is the word hesed. Uh, H-E-S-E-D appears 249 times. The King James Version rendered it mercy. They also rendered it uh, loving kindness, goodness, merciful kindness, kindness. Most modern English translations move more toward the idea of love. The NIV typically translates Hesed simply as love. Uh, the most classic text where we find this is, is Psalm 136. Uh, for his love endures forever, the, the refrain there. Uh, the ESV and the NRSV translate Hesed as steadfast love. The New English translation as loyal love. New Living Translation and the Christian Standard Bible as faithful love. And all these more modern English translations highlight a key aspect uh, that I think the NIV and the uh, 
kind of leaves out with love, and that's the idea of stability, durability, long, fast, you know, longevity. And, and so Hesed is used to talk about voluntary acts of kindness or loyalty in critical situation when one party needs the help of the other. Um, and it's to act in order to bring blessing into the life of the one who chooses to, to love. And so, so that you have the central idea of choosing, of, of sticking with it to bring about good. And that's where, that's where our New Testament idea of agape comes in. That is, there's a lot there. <laughs> Acting intentionally against your own interests and working voluntarily in kindness for blessing. Our world really misses that. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Yes, if you come into love with simply the idea of having warm feelings for another, I'm not going to have warm feelings for an enemy. I'm not, I can't have warm feelings for someone with whom I have absolutely no relationship with. However, I can act intentionally to bring goodness and blessing into the lives of those who stand opposed to me, who are my political adversaries, who, who stand counter to, to things that I think would be good in my community when I'm at the PTA meeting. I can also work <laughs> to good for good and blessing for those who I don't know from Adam. But if, I, if my notion of love is simply warm feeling, then I can't love an enemy. I can't love a stranger. Moreover, if love is seeking blessing in the life of someone, then there is a place for me to kindly and gently to correct, as Yahweh kindly and gently corrects. Israel. And, and we will see this in the New Testament as we explore the concept of agape, agapao. That's excellent. Thank you, Dr. Halen. And uh, speaking of examining that further, that's what we're going to do in the next episode of this uh, podcast as we continue this discussion on love and its application to us in the year 2022. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, we would like to encourage you, if you'd like to know more about Dallas Christian College, who we are as an institution, our mission of educating and mentoring students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. You can find out more by going to our website at www.dallas.edu. Thank you again for joining us for this episode in our Bible Word series. Pray that you stay safe, take care, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>